0: Please be aware that this story contains sensitive and potentially disturbing content about mental health and suicide. If this subject is difficult or upsetting for you, we ask you to please proceed with caution or to simply stop listening. If you or a loved one is struggling and you need someone to talk to, please contact Lifeline or Beyond Blue in Australia or search Suicide Awareness Help in your country. With a canopy
1: of cypresses and pines towering over lumpy, moss-covered lava rocks from Mount Fuji, the forest has an ethereal beauty that feels just like Tolkien's Land of the Hobbits, Middle Earth, or the Forest of Endor in Star Wars. The well-marked paths wind through the forest 7,400 acres, and those who step off the trails can easily hide deep within what is known in Japan as the Sea of Trees. Young couples, family and foreign tourists visit caves and stroll the paths of the forest where sunlight filtering through the trees can almost make you feel safe and relaxed. Almost. But sadly, this forest is associated with death.
0: Aoki Gahara was known as a place where monks would go to starve themselves to death. In times of hardship, families would take the elderly and infirm and leave them there to die. Books romanticise the forest in the darkest way possible, a place to take your own life. According to Japanese folklore, the ghosts of those who have committed suicide wander in limbo in the forest, and those who enter are at risk of never coming out. Hi, my name is Renata Daniel. And I'm Anne Rekovic, and we welcome you
1: to this episode of
2: the True Hauntings Podcast. evil lurks within the shadows of our homes, and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings.
1: Ama Kasuki, 23, only lasted five days at his job. At first, he was in the visitor's centre at Narasawa Koyotseru. He felt safe there, it was daylight. But then, due to staff shortage, they ended up putting him on night duty at the observation centre within the Japanese suicide forest with Tomonaga Osara. On their first night, it was around 2am and the forest was still, They saw the occasional flash of headlights from a nearby road. Insects were chirping and the gentle breeze rustled the trees. Both men on that shift heard a cry emanate from deep within the forest. The cry became a piercing scream and then suddenly all went quiet. Asaro said, ''Did you hear that?'' Kiyosuke replied, ''Someone must have committed suicide.'' At 3.40am, they heard the same cry again. Both men agreed it was not a cry of pain or fear, but rather it was something or someone using all their strength to make crying sounds deep within the forest. They decided to call their superior, saying that they had feared another soul had been lost to the forest. As soon as there was enough light, the police and some rangers gathered to search. Neither Osara or Kersaki joined them in that search as their shift was over and they were keen to get away from that forest. The next night, they were rostered to work again, both together. The search party had reported from the day that they could not find anyone, they could not find the tormented soul that they had heard the night before and that they were lost to the forest. During the second shift, the pair were outside discussing what they had heard, having a smoke break, when Osara happened to look up and see something moving amongst the shadows. Osara told Kyosuke what he had seen, and they both stared in the forest for some 30 minutes to see what it was. Nothing. At 5am, Kyosuke went back into the office to charge up his phone, and there, staring back at him through a window, was a shadow it wasn't just a shadow. It was the figure of a man wearing no clothes, its skin wrinkled with age and as dark as the night sky. But the most horrifying thing was the lack of any facial features, no mouth, nose, ears and where the eye should have been, gaping black sockets. Kiyosuki called out, who's there? Asura came running in and asked, what's happening? He replied, someone was standing at the window. Let's go, said Asura. They ran outside with flashlights and scanned the area. Then they saw it. Pointing their flashlights into the depths of the forest where the moonlight cannot reach, they saw a figure walking amongst the trees. Hey, you! You can't be in there. Get out or I'll call the police, yelled Asara. The figure was at the very end of their flashlight beam, just where it was beginning to lose its strength. The man could still be seen poking his head out from amongst the trees. The brave pair moved into the forest to talk to the man. If you go now, I won't call the police. This is for your own good. You can't be here alone, Asara said, hoping to negotiate with them. Even in the shadows, they knew exactly where he was. With each footstep further into the forest, the more fearful the pair became. Maybe we should let the police deal with it, Kiyosaki said. He stayed out, deciding not to go deeper, but Asara kept moving forward, determined to help the person. Kiyosaki had a bad feeling. His gut told him this was not a person, and it was trying to lure them further into the forest by staying at the edge of their light. Asara, come back! It's a trap! It's a trap! He shouted as loud as he could. Asara, confused, turned to look at Kiyosaki. It was then that he heard footsteps running directly towards him. Then more heavy footsteps from other directions. Then there were sounds of running coming from all directions. Kasaki decided enough was enough and started to run from the forest, not waiting for Asara to make up his mind. He tripped over a rock and fell and scrambled to his feet, feeling as if the world had gone into slow motion. Asara was running now too. They focused on the lights of the officer ahead and kept moving forward with the sounds of running footsteps coming from them in all directions. A ranger heard their cries and met them outside and immediately called the police. Again, they found nothing. On the third night, they were both nervous from the night before. Kiyosuke had not slept well, claiming he could still hear the cries and the dark figure haunted his sleep. He was jumpy, but refused to give in to fear. Osara was not helping his anxiety by asking questions about the possibility of people being in the forest to perform witchcraft or maybe some strange sect. Osara was trying to find logical explanations for the impossible. The night drew on and they avoided gazing on the forest for fear of what they may see. Around 3am Asara said he needed to go to the bathroom. Nervously, Kesuki popped out for a cigarette to calm his nerves. Coming back into the station, he realised that Asara was not yet back from the toilet. It had been a long time and he was beginning to worry. He turned to go and get him only to collide with Asura, who was standing right at his shoulder like he was playing practical jokes and trying to spook him. Kisaki did not think it was funny. Why did you do that, Osara? Grow up! Osara did not respond, but continued to stare off into the forest. What, are you going to continue this? I'm here to work, stop it! After two minutes, face to face, Kusaki angrily said, ''You know what? I'm tired of this. You're a moron. I'm going to the bathroom.'' And he took Asara's arm, pushed him out of the way and stormed off. While he walked to the bathroom, troubling thoughts started to enter his mind. When he had pushed Asara, his body was rigid as if made of wood and he was cold.'' As he thought of this, he turned back to look at Asara, only to find him walking silently right next to him. Kisaki stopped suddenly and Asara collided with him. Asara turned to stare at Kosaki with blank, empty eyes. No emotion. Nothing. Kasaki rushed to enter the bathroom building only to hear, Hey, I told you I needed to use the bathroom. Wait a minute. Whole hand grabbed at Kesaki's neck and he screamed and turned and nothing was there. An unspeakable horror settled on him and he screamed and screamed. The real Asara came out of the bathroom asking frantically what was wrong, but all Kesaki could do was stare at the trees and scream. Now, this was the last time Kesaki worked at Narasawa Koyotestu he felt as if the forest had chosen him to join them. Osara still kept working, but apparently became more erratic with his behaviour and stopped talking to the other guides. He claimed he could hear whispers from the forest, but would never reveal what they were saying. One night, he turned up at the office for his shift, out of uniform with a gun in his hand, screaming he was going to put an end to the whispers. He ignored his frightened colleagues and ran off into the forest. They did not follow him, but called the police. Shots rang out through the night. The next day, the police found Osada, who had taken his own life. Seems the forest had chosen another soul to join them.
0: It is a compelling myth, this suicide forest, but myths are subject to be rewritten, and maybe it's time with what is happening in the world that we start to rewrite the myth of this particular site as well. But to deny Aoki Kahara's tragic history would really be disrespectful to the lives that are already lost there, but also to go on letting it inhabit the same dark corner of the human imagination would also imbue it with the wrong kind of power, and we know that words have power. They sure do. And myths and legends that go on and grow can become very disturbing and can destroy sites, families, people,
1: countries. So words have a lot of power. You can build people up or you can tear them down or you can create a legend.
0: That's true. So maybe it's time for Aoki Kahara to be reclaimed as a sacred space rather than a spooky and disturbing space. Mm-hmm. So let's just have a little look at some of the story and the history behind this amazingly beautiful forest, Aoki Kahara.
1: God, you say that well. I, I stumble know. over everything I have to say.
0: <laughs> is one name for the forest, but it also goes by the fuller name of Aoki Gahara Jukai or just Jukai, Sea of Trees in Japanese. And that's actually the title they they want to see it be, the mm-hmm. Sea of Trees. So these names, as we know, because we've been trying to say them for the last couple of days, are really hard to roll off the tongue. Uh, and so people look for an easier description. And so they've chosen the Japanese Suicide Forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not really a good thing to be calling it. Mm. That's just embedding the the legend, isn't it? That's true. So what it also does, it attaches an immediate stigma to the forest. And, of course, the moment you say that, your imagination can run wild. The Sea of Trees, though, is more poetic. And it refers back to the true name of the site. And it really captures more fuller the grandeur of the forest that is windswept from the mountaintop of Mount Fuji all through the treetops as they move up and down like waves upon an ocean because that's what it looks like ah. if you are up at Mount Fuji looking down at the forest. Hence the name Sea of Trees. That's correct. So despite the ever-present danger that there could be future volcanic eruptions, Mount Fuji is still a stunning natural landmark known all over the world for its beauty and many, many tourists go and visit it every year. But this forest should also be associated with the beauty of the area The Golden Gate Bridge is actually a more popular spot for suicide in the form of jumpers, but it's never really been associated as a beautiful landmark, and icon in California. And no one really pigeonholes it as a suicide bridge. No, you're right. So why are they doing it to this forest? Maybe change is required and we need to stop invoking death every time we reference this place. And change the idea into something that's a little bit more respectful and graceful. So let's not reduce it to just a suicide forest. Let's call it the Sea of Trees. I'm more than happy to do that. (laughs) Mm. So stories of the Sea of Trees have run rampant around the globe. And places like CNN, Time, The Telegraph and the Japanese Times all use the same phrase, Japanese Suicide Forest, in place of its true name. And many of these new sites offer an enticement to take the reader inside the forest, and they play on the emotions and the morbid curiosity of people. So this has given risen to a strange fascination with this place, this place that's called the Suicide Forest, but really should be known as the Sea of Trees. And in recent years, The Forest has been the subject of a Vice documentary, which you can find on YouTube, as well as two poorly reviewed Hollywood films, The Sea of Trees, starring Matthew McConaughey, who's quite lovely, mm-hmm. and the most recent one in 2016, The Forest, starring Natalie Dormer. Who's famous for Game of Thrones. Yes, So the films build upon an existing tradition in Japanese literature and folklore that has in the past drawn associations between the forest and death. There are tales of romantic suicide, the abandonment of the elderly to die, and the ghosts that haunt the forest. And all of those aspects of it help to layer in the mystique of The Sea of Trees. In this way, the myth has historically been fed as much at home as abroad with influential Japanese books ranging from fiction by Seiko Matsumoto in his novel Tower of Waves and non-fiction books including Tsurumi's controversial 1993 book The Complete Manual of Suicide. Now, the second of those... Often appears in the forest as what might be a textbook Mm -hmm. that seems to be used Mm -hmm. by many of those that venture in. You wonder why somebody even
1: printed that. I know that suicide is a a very cultural thing with the Japanese going right back to the samurais, Mm -hmm. Um, but
0: uh, these days and age you you just, why would you print something like that? Mm. There is a romantic... Aspect to the way the Japanese considered taking your life as well, being very responsible for taking yourself away from a community that you no longer serve a purpose in.
1: Oh, wow. And
0: that goes back to, and we'll talk a little bit about mm-hmm. that, but it goes very deeply back into their culture.
1: But the book actually described this forest as the perfect place to die.
0: Yes. And that's because you disappear into it Mm. and you no longer create a problem for society. You just literally disappear into it. Mm. Mm. So there's a sense now based on media overexposure that Japan may be starting to move away from the myth. So why are we now exploiting it? Uh, and even the rest of the world seizes upon a trend that has become this country's old news. Mm-hmm. So like I said, we seem to be exploiting all of this by, well, we're talking about it, of
1: course. We are talking about it, but we are hopefully trying to also uh, explain to people why it needs to be let go and to let these souls rest.
0: Yes, absolutely. Perfectly said. Perfectly said. Thank you. So, you know, if you were to talk to Japanese people one-on-one or an informal group, there would be many who would say to you they would almost rather the Sea of Trees be closed off entirely. There's a fierce streak of protectiveness around this site, especially by the locals. And remember, they also regard Mount Fuji and the surrounding area As sacred. It Mm. is a sacred site. So, all of these sightseers that go there to trample on the delicate volcanic landscape, leave their litter and their trash, Mm -hmm. and go searching for dead bodies is so disrespectful. And taking souvenirs home with them as well. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that. But then we have an issue. If you close off the site to the public, like what happened with Purveyor. Yep. They'll get ta- in there anyway. Which we talked about last time. All that does is actually ignite and stoke the mystery. Yep. And I know that I still want to go to Povea Island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still keen. Yep. Oh, yep.
1: I'm a sad soul. So
0: we have this problem. Yep. This story that we have created and it wants to live. Mm-hmm. An egregore. Oh. <gasps> An ecological. Wow, mm. yes. Now, a couple of years ago, we had a big controversy by a YouTuber called Logan Paul, and you can find this information um, if you research and search the notes about the Japanese super- suicide forest and what Logan Paul did. But he, at that stage, had 16 million subscribers oh. to his YouTube channel, and he took them all for a walk through the Sea of Trees. Which, I mean, we do that sometimes in haunted locations as well. But. But? But. He found something there that was likely to be found if you went off the trail. And one of the things they do say to all the trekkers that go in is stay on the tracks. Stay on the path. He found a dead body hanging. Oh, no. And he didn't leave it alone. He put it all on his YouTube channel and laughed about the fact that this person had took their life there. So total and complete disrespect. Uh, It was uploaded and many, many thousands of people saw it. And then, of course, Logan Paul had a huge backlash about what he had done. And deservedly so. And he did do a... um, another video saying that he was very, very sorry. So he apologised, but it's a little bit too late. It did two things. Number one, it taught him a big lesson. But number two, what it also did, it just opened up the fact that the forest was no longer a safe place to do that act, which is an incredible turnaround. Yeah. Because it was one of those things where you go in, it's private. You do it. You don't want to be found. You you don't want anyone to know about it. This is, uh, this is the last part of this secret thing that you want to do. And what Logan Paul did by going in there and exposing it to the world was exposing it to the world. Mm. So it, it, in actual fact, in doing the very wrong thing, it may have turned the tide on... People thinking that it, this was now the perfect place to go, as was written ah, in the
1: book. It was no longer private. It was no longer private. Anyone could go in. And their, their shame would be shown to the world. Now, I'm so, not saying that from me as being a shameful act of suicide. It's uh, The Japanese culture would look upon that video as being shame for them. I don't mean, oh, it's hard to put it into words. Yeah, yeah, I know That they, what they, you they mean, were seen yeah. in such a vulnerable situation and that their private moment was seen so visibly that that yes. would have in their mind not been a good thing. It would be horrible. They would be mortified.
0: Yeah. And I've, I've seen um, clips on YouTube where other people have gone in and they've shown or they've stopped at camping sites where things have been left and there have been photos and there have been documentation that has been shown on Mm -hmm. these YouTube clips. And you can imagine families seeing this and it tearing their hearts out. Yep. One of those places that you just don't go and do that. You
1: have to use common sense at some stage or other and, and be kind
3: Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run, maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time, and the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my Darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash p60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on. And if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. Betterhelp.com slash p60. There's a link for it on today's program guide.
0: So once you step foot into the forest, it has a surreal and sobering effect on the mind. So suddenly the Sea of Trees is now a real place. It's actually in front of you rather than on YouTube. Uh, and, of course, depending on what you have read and what state of mind you are in, it will be reflected back on you to a heightened degree. So for some, the idea of this place in their heads is so much more powerful than the actual location itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and they are either bound to be disappointed because it is often quite filled with tourists going through and hiking or camping around the area, or they can be doubly scared of the place because they have been hyped up by what they have seen on YouTube and Hollywood. It sort of reminds me of 30 East Drive, Pontefract. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. So in, on most days, dark tourists are hoping to see something macabre. But the seasoned Japanese tour guides that are there will often say to you, oh, if we could only see a ghost. What? As if to say, there's no chance that that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, they would rather see a ghost than see a, a, a victim.
0: Yep. So the trees in the forest do bear an exotic and gnarled appearance because they've grown out of hardened lava from Mount Fuji. Their roots... Couldn't penetrate to the normal depth, so they rely on the water flow from rain. Right, and so everything looks gnarled. A bit Trees like, look a bit like you, Renata. Yeah, <laughs> I know. No, I had to go there. Trees look uprooted. There are gaping holes in the ground. Um, again, this is why it's so dangerous to come off the path. There are cave-like recesses and there are many actual caves that are open to the general public and tour guides will take them in and tell them about uh, the importance of these particular caves. And they're, they're beautiful. It's a beautiful place. It is. It is absolutely beautiful and glorious. There are so many pictures of it, and and it really is beautiful. So what international articles about the Sea of Trees often fail to mention is that the forest is surrounded by wall-trafficked sightseeing spots, and that's what we talk about, Mm we just talked about. Uh, The entire area from Lake Kawaguchiko to Lake Motosuk Goal is now connected by a convenient bus service. These areas represent four out of the five Fuji lakes. So Fuji-Q's fleet of sightseeing buses, which include the Retro Bus and the red, green, blue omnibus lines, make it easy for people to disembark at all of the caves, at the parking lots at the nature trail, and this trail cuts straight through the forest, and it's clearly labelled as a sea of trees, Aokigara, I have to be careful with that, um, on the bus's guide map. So the official tourism website at Yamanashi Prefecture outlines a suggested walking course through the sea of trees and lists it as a point of pride in the world. So the website invites visitors to come savour this stunning primeval forest. And I
1: suppose by attracting tourists and tourism into the forest, that will also hopefully Mm -hmm. deter any would-be people who are struggling to go in there.
0: Mm -hmm. So the page with the walking course on it does give a reminder that visitors may not leave the walking trail to enter the woodlands area. In other words, don't wander off the restricted area where Logan Paul went or any of the other dark tourists that are looking for things that they shouldn't be looking for. That's right. So the forest in Fujisan's foothills is a place that should be treated with appropriate reverence or avoided altogether. Make up your mind, people. So it deserves to be reclaimed as a scenic nature spot. Be respectful in the sea of trees or don't go there at all. I'm going to sort of dig a little bit into this, uh, the spiritual background mm-hmm. of um, why this place would be chosen and what the whole deal with suicide in Japan is okay. all about. So Aoki Gahara is considered by most Japanese religions to be a very spiritual place, but that's not necessarily a good thing. So Buddhist monks have set up altars in the forest to try and combat what they say are the evil spirits haunting the forest and drawing people there to die by suicide. And that's what you sort of told in the story, yeah? This whole idea of the forest now being alive and that people are drawn into it by what they hear. Interestingly enough, I found a reference. Oh, look at you. You've got your phone all ready to go with a quote. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm just so impressed. The first suicide in Jukai recorded in history was committed by the Buddhist monk Shokai in 1340. Wow. Mm. It was, however, completely different from an ordinary modern suicide being known as Niyujo or Niyujo. Sorry, guys. I'm trying the best I can, which is a special form of Buddhist religious ritual. Shokai prayed while fasting in a cave in Jukai, tried to purify himself and waited for death. By practicing niyujo, he believed that he would be able to save the people and the sinful world. Hang on. Sounds a bit like... That sounds a little bit like Jesus on the cross. The 40 days in the wilderness? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Okay.
1: All right. Oh, no, they've never stolen things, ideas before. Mm. No. So fur- go there.
0: Further examples of Nyojyo <laughs> 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 practiced by a number of Buddhist monks since Shokai have been recorded. So we're going back to 1340 mm. as this place being chosen. Jeez, Jesus
1: was before that, though. So yeah, who, yeah. who got in first on that idea?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, so, although it's not clear when ordinary people began to commit suicide in Jukai, the local people already believed before World War II that once a person entered the forest, it would be impossible to find a way out. Aha! Uh-huh. Isn't that interesting? Mm. So, one Buddhist monk named Kiyomiyor Fuki. Fuku'i.
1: Be very careful. Right about
0: now, be very careful. Was visiting the forest to set up an altar when he told the New Zealand Herald, the spirits are calling people here to kill themselves, the spirits of the people who have committed suicide before. Mm. So while there are many frightening stories out there about Aokigahara Forest, it certainly isn't the type of place you want to go camping. hmm
1: mm-hmm. I don't camp anyway. Three-star motel is a camp for me.
0: Hmm.
1: I'm a princess.
0: So every year for the past three decades, 30 years, a small army of police volunteers and attendant journalists arrive for an annual search day to bring out the bodies of those that have passed over in the forest. So the annual search began in 1970 when about 20 bodies were discovered by walkers or police over a year with just one or two of them being found on the day of the annual search. Now, the numbers grew from that point on and in 1994, 57 bodies were found and there was one year where over 100 were found. Oh, no. And then it seemed to go down. The greatest number were found at a time when Japan was going through a terrible financial time Uh, and many of the people that were found to have passed over were Mm middle-aged, although there were only a few younger people, but most of them were men who had lost their jobs Mm -hmm. and therefore lost face, lost the ability to, to be respected and to have a place in society. And respect is a very big thing in Japanese mm-hmm. culture. Yep. And Japan thinks as a united thing. They're all, like on, the, a, all on the same page? But no, but no? It's, it's like a, a one united. You've been there, so you'd, em, you've experienced embryo. it. Embryo. Everyone belongs to the respect of the country. Right. You, you, you aren't seen as someone outside the circle. Mm-hmm. Everyone belongs in the circle they all work together right um, to be the best face of the country right yep so it's it's all so it's not one. just
1: not your family or your circle it is the country yes right yeah. that's huge.
0: So <laughs> look, It's really hard if you're working around there to detach yourself from what is going on and, you know, they say every taxi driver has stories Mm -hmm. about passengers that they have taken from the station to the forest and know that they haven't come back out. Mm -hmm. Um, But what people are asking now is that the media leave people alone Mm -hmm. and leave the forest alone so that the forest itself can lose this face and lose this connection to the dead and rejuvenate and become a place of sanctuary and spirituality mm. again. So- and then, and then I, I sort of come across
1: a contradiction in my soul where I'm thinking, you know, we should not even put this podcast out, but I think we just need to spread the word um, and hopefully we are doing this in a respectful way. So um, we're trying to, as I said before, educate. We're trying.
0: Mm-hmm. And, I look, I know there are lots of stories and, you know, we go into these Hollywood movies and, and we see them and it, it piques our interest and we want to go, oh, I want to know more about this place. I've never heard of this place. This place is fascinating. And, of course, once you start poking at Google uh All these crazy stories come out, but we don't really go deeper than that and look at the history behind all of these things. I just want to also talk about one aspect before I go in a little bit deeper to some of the more ancient history, and that is that when you go into this forest, they do try their best to deter people, and there are signs everywhere. And one of the signs says, your life is a precious gift from your parents. Don't keep your worries to yourself. Please seek counselling. The police are always out in vans in the woods. They are constantly on lookout. So this has all happened actually over the last few years. Wow. So they are always out there. Uh, And they're saying that they've at least saved 50 people. So, this must be this
1: watchtower that, in in my story that I told at the very beginning, they've got the tourist centre, but they've also got this like a, mm-hmm. a watchtower place. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. So again, we go back to why here. Why is there a reason that this seems to be an easy place to disappear? So let's go back to the nineteenth century in feudal Japan and the suffering of families through famines. And Aoki Kohara was one of the many places where poor families used to come and dispose of the infirm and elderly, which they could not feed by the simple means of leaving them out in the open to die. Oh, no. Hmm. Oh. So we've mentioned um, the Suicide Manual, which achieved alarmingly high sales in just a few years that it came out. And, of course, that book recommended the Sea of Trees as the perfect place to end it all. But in one story that I read, there is a Buddhist monk, Kiyomi-o Fuki, who provides another explanation. And he says the spirits of the people that are there are calling out to others. He and 50 monks from his temple constructed a temporary altar in the car park and they regularly come and pray for the repose of the troubled spirits of the forest to help them to close down, to help them to find rest, to help them to no longer linger because one of the um, legends is that if there isn't a proper burial for a spirit, they become very angry Mm -hmm. and they wander. Yes, I talk about that one. So in Western history, when a nobleman or a king was removed from power, he would escape to another country to hide in a foreign court. So that was a common practice because all royal families in Europe were related in some way or another Mm -hmm. and no one saw anything wrong in escaping to save one's own life. A little bit of incest going on there. Yeah. After Charles II of England lost to Cromwell's army during the Battle of Worcestershire in 1651, he fled to France and stayed there until the monarchy was restored in 1660. Then we have Marie Antoinette who was caught while fleeing from... <laughs> I don't know. What was that? I even... <laughs> I've got no idea. Sounds like a t- cakey you'd eat. T- 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 <laughs> oh, the more recent escape of Viktor Yanukovych, president of the Ukraine, to a neighbouring country. So the, the, the bigger idea was, yeah, look, I made a big boo-boo. <laughs> I'm just going to go for a long holiday. <laughs> Get me out of (laughs) here. Isn't it normally Switzerland or something (laughs) you go to? Uh, So some will do all it takes to survive, even if they have to wait years for the better times to come. This is not what happens in Japan. There is no room for disobedience. Everyone knows their place. And if you do not follow the right path, you will be shamed by others. Mm. Japan is awesome. I really want... You to go to Japan with me, you will adore it. I like noodles. Oh, it's it's amazing. <laughs> I like ramen. It is amazing. <laughs> it is one place, and I always say, and I'm sorry, I digress. It is one place in the world where you are seen. You are seen. Oh, okay. People look at you. Yeah. Um, which is quite an interesting and surreal experience. Mm-hmm. Because in the in in the West, you can disappear. You can mm. be walking along the street and not exist. Yeah,
1: people don't make eye contact. Yeah. In
0: in Japan, you don't find that. Right, they okay. take time to look at you when they speak to you. Because it's wow. quite interesting. So Japanese culture is still very collective, and this is clear throughout the different neighborhoods in Tokyo. Takeshita Dori. A street in the Harajuku district is home for the Lolitas. So if you don't particularly agree with the strict rules of society, you can escape into their reality. But by doing so, you are still part of a group of people with similar expectations and beliefs. If you are excluded from the group by others, you are left alone and the isolation may lead you to feel that suicide is the only way out and one of the big problems in Japan is isolation. Right. Right. Okay. That's why they have such unusual hobbies. Okay. She's raising one
1: eyebrow as she says
0: that. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> so in Japan, historically, the highborn committed seppuku to protect their honour. So they preferred to sacrifice their life rather than live in shame. Mm-hmm. The seppuku in pre-modern Japan had its origins in the Samurai Bushido mm-hmm. Honour Code. Samurai preferred to die with honour rather than live with the shame of losing a battle or surrendering. Now, get this. Women committed suicide. Jigaki was committed by wives after their Samurai husbands committed seppuku. Damn that. No. I, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Yep. Women's lib. So it's true. Japan practiced honour killings. The difference is that the victims did the killing themselves Mm -hmm. in the name of honour and pride. So in historical times, death was everywhere. War, disease and suffering, it affected everyone from rich to poor. Suicide was an honourable way out when there were no other options available. So if you, you were part of a tribe and you were honourable to that tribe, even if you had nothing to do with what was going on, you still took the honourable way out if your leader passed. Wow. And the whole family went. Mm. So the two leading causes of modern-day suicide in Japan are very different. It is through economic hardship and clinical depression. But the stigma attached to mental health is still very strong and prevents many people from seeking help. So they may go through the whole... Issue of mental health and not reach out. So, modern science, social services, and support systems lead the Japanese to live longer and better. But even though the standards of living increase, suicide rates have slowly declined, but they still aren't being attended to in the way we do in the West here. Mm -hmm. So the Western view of suicide as something to be ashamed of, as something very dark and very bad, is beginning to take hold in Japan as well. And while suicide is still tolerated, the way it is being perceived is changing, which is a good thing, from something honourable and morally accepted in early centuries because you were a burden to society, it has now become an act that is being labelled as selfish and desperate in a way to try and stop oh, it from happening. And
1: please, people, we are just reading the definitions here, not our beliefs.
0: Mm-hmm. So Aoki Gahara is a beautiful forest with caves, lakes and stunning views. It does feel spooky at times, but that could just be your imagination and what you are hoping for when you go to that place as a dark tourist. But I'm going to leave the last word to Oscar Wilde, who said, to live is the rarest thing in the world. Most people exist, that is all. Who are we to say no to people who decide that they have lived enough and come to Aokigahara to finish their existence? Perception of the place depends on us and us alone.
1: Well, that was fascinating, Renata. Thank you for all of that information. I've... I know I've gone over time. <laughs> <laughs> we were really worried this was going to be a short episode because there there wasn't a huge amount of information, but instead we've we've turned it into something a little bit more educational, we hope. So I am not going to go into a lot of ghost stories. So, I think the biggest one I'd... I led the show with. But I want to talk to you about some of the reasons why they might think it's haunted and, and how the legends began. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as you mentioned, it was a place a long time ago where if people – had no food for the sake of the family, they would sacrifice the weakest mm-hmm. and leave them in the forest to die. Now, apparently it was a very long, slow, agonising death as they starved to death. So there are uh, things called a uh, ubasute, which is an abandoning an old woman. Um, and then there is also oyasute, which is abandoning a parent. It is a rare practice then of aside, uh, but it did happen. So they were left there and they would die from the elements. Uh, now, it's thought that that created angry spirits, which, I mean, rightly so. I think I would be pretty annoyed, but I, I don't know. I think maybe they would have volunteered, some of them. Mm-hmm. But then when they're actually faced with the the painful death, they they weren't so happy about it, maybe. So it is thought that the the forest is haunted by demons, which is why some Japanese are still afraid to enter the forest. And it's because of these souls that were left to die and are filled with hatred, sadness, and a desire for revenge. And they were known as the Yurei. Yurei? Yurei. So the folklore claims that they are vengeful, dedicated to tormenting visitors and luring those uh, that are sad and lost off the path. There is also the yokai, which are supposed to be bewitching, attractive specters that Mm. would try to lure them, but maybe that's just the uh, projected image to lure people into the forest. Mm -hmm. Now, some spiritualists have even said that the trees are full of evil energy due to the amount of suicide and once someone enters the forest, they will not be allowed to leave. Now, that seems that odd to me, what most spiritualists would say. Mm -hmm. Yes. I just thought that was an odd little quote that we found, but I, I thought I'd mention it. Now, some of the other reasons why they think that the forest may be haunted is because of the way cell phones, GPS systems and compasses behave in there. Mm -hmm. And that's because the ground is rich with magnetic iron. Mm -hmm. So it does cause havoc with those sorts of electromagnetic fields and uh, compasses and things like that. Um, But of course, if you don't know what's in the soil, you're going to assume that it's
0: something pretty horrid. But also... Um, I, researching all of this, I found, especially on on YouTube, many, many uh, YouTube videos where they're actually using their mobile phones to record.
1: Now, now I'll get to that. Mm -hmm. I I actually do have something. um, They can probably record on it, but they might not get signal to get out or something. But um, the other thing they say, it's very quiet. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's hardly any wildlife, which when the forest goes quiet, you immediately assume in the horror movies that something mm, nasty is coming. Yes. But the reason is, is because the canopy of trees is so dense, is
0: that the, the wildlife actually can't get in there. Yeah, actually, but there's a, there is actually a whole list of wildlife, from bugs to beetles to yeah. bigger uh, animals that do exist in the forest. And uh, maybe a reason why birds aren't
1: in there, if those, that rely on flock and migration, mm-hmm. if there is issues with the geomagnetic of the place, magnetics, I'm sure that's not a word but we'll use it, mm-hmm. that it could throw off their sense of direction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the wind is blocked quite a bit by the trees um, but the Japanese Defence Force do train in there and they said they haven't had any problems with their equipment but it's probably because they're using higher quality um, gear, mm-hmm. whereas what we would buy off the internet for a compass or something like that might be a, a bodgy, dodgy, mm-hmm. dodgy job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, what I also wanted to go into is the procedure that follows when they find a body in the forest. And this is fascinating because this goes into their spiritual beliefs as well. So when a body is found in the forest, the forest guardians place it in a room next to the, where the forest is, Uh, before being sent to the authorities and some of those bodies are in various stages of decomposition Mm. because sometimes these bodies aren't found for a hundred years, the forest is that dense. Legend has it that if the body is left alone in the room its Uri, which I mentioned before urae, move around screaming in the room hence the forest guards will play rock paper scissors to determine who is the unlucky companion to the body in that room. Now in that room, there are two beds. One bed is for the body and one is for the guard to sleep next to them. Mm -hmm. Now that's devotion.
0: Yes. And considering how superstitious the Japanese are, Oh, that could be a really, really hard job. Yeah. So the way this
1: came about was based on an incident that happened in 1961 where the body of a Mitsunimi Shigeru 38 was brought to the station to be collected to take to the morgue. However, the next day the body had disappeared. They searched the forest and found the body where they had committed suicide. Oh. They decided that his spirit didn't want to leave the forest, so they buried him at the foot of that tree.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: So that's how that legend Mm. came about. And staff at this centre have a very high turnover, and that's what I was talking about, that story at the start. Yep, yep. Huge turnover. And when they are asked why they are leaving, they say without fear that something supernatural has happened to them. Mm Mm-hmm. They just don't want to be there anymore. Mm. So I've got a couple of little stories of experiences that have uh, happened within the forest. We have The Curse. And as you mentioned, um, there was a Vice documentary that takes a tour of the forest. Um, and they found um, Jack Skellington-like doll with its face cut off, nailed upside down to a tree as a sort of inverted crucifixion. And sorry to Brooke, I know how much she loves the Skelly dolls. They nailed this character upside down as a symbol of contempt for society. It's more like a curse the curse is nailed in apparently it's not uncommon for visitors to leave a curse on the world that they're leaving behind Hmm. now there's tape tape is a very big thing in the forest you'll see yes. a lot of tape yes that's now, true the people that are going into the forest will uh, tie a piece of tape to a main walkway and then feed out that tape so they can walk into the forest to find their way back Right, so this little story here, the forest is very easy to get lost in with compasses and GPS not working under its canopy, believed to be due to the high iron deposits in the soil. For this reason, people entering the forest will tie string tape along behind them so they can find their way back. There are stories of people having their tape cut deliberately, leaving them lost in the woods. And some people say that it is one of the demons trying to keep another soul within the forest. Now this next one leads into the screaming that we had in the story. People often report hearing blood-curdling, unnatural screams while wandering the forest. They said that this is the U-Ray. Um, A writer told of an incident where he heard a terrifying scream in the forest when he went searching for the source he came across the dead body of a man at the base of a tree. Um, A quick examination revealed the corpse had been dead for some time and could not have been the source of the scream. But maybe it was his spirit still trying to cry out.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And there's talk of an apparition. Another hallmark of the forest is that there have been supposedly literal ghost sightings with visitors sometimes claiming to see white figures drifting down the trees. When the sci-fi paranormal investigation show Destination Truth investigated the forest, they may have caught one of these apparitions on camera. Was it a U.R.A.? or just a trick of the light. Mm. Mm. Tragic encounters. Someone who's entered the forest with an intent to die by suicide do eventually leave. In an interview with the Japanese Times, Hideo Watanabe, who owns a shop at the entrance of the forest, revealed that he's seen numerous people exit the forest after attempting to die by suicide, and he's described calling an ambulance for each one such visitor. So isn't it nice to know that there is someone mm-hmm. there that's watching and helping? That, yeah. that I've actually got goosebumps all over me about that one. And the other thing is about the Buddhist monks have set up altars, as you mentioned. The spirits are calling people here to kill themselves, um, and that ties back into the story as well. A lot of that came from a website called bustle.com, so thank you to them. I'd also like to give a shout out to the book that I got that story from at the very beginning. It's called Ghosts of Japan, Short Stories by Yuri Q. I I did shorten it and, and sort of reword it a little bit because it was quite a big story. So I, I hope I did them justice. Oh and God. in the story, it actually says that you can research those names and those people actually exist and it did happen to them. So I thought that was really interesting. So, Renata, this is where we come to the end of our, our information. And I, I had a thought... And we look at dark tourism, it's on the rise, people are fascinated by this and many places have embraced the idea of dark tourism and instead of letting people try to get in by themselves to uh, these places, they organise tours for them or guided experiences to be able to teach them and instead of being dramatic and sensational, they actually do try to teach the story behind it. So we know that Japan is trying to change the face of the Sea of Trees, Mm -hmm. but should they embrace a small part for those people who are the dark tourists and take them in to let them see and hopefully teach them rather than having people who are going to try and get into the forest and explore it on their own.
0: Mm. Um, it's
1: a conundrum that we face as
0: ghost tour guides That's true. Uh, all the time. I would never consider trespassing on a site mm-hmm. just because... I, I personally wouldn't do that. Would I go there if part of the forest was open and there was a guide who could tell me stories and show me some of the places uh, where... You know, Teach me the
1: cultural yeah, aspects of some of those of it.
0: stories were, you know, originated from? Absolutely. Yep. Without a doubt. Would I go there to be dramatic or to create a vlog and dramatize someone's pain pain you know I mean? and sadness and joke about it absolutely not
1: no no so this is one of these ones that we we chose to tackle even though it was a sensitive one is it a true haunting do you know what let's just not say let's just leave those spirits or souls or whatever you call them at peace and my advice is for those who want to go and hunt ghosts there, don't. Mm. This is a sad place. Leave it's, them in peace. It's
0: also a very spiritual place. Yeah. And uh, we have to be aware that all areas around the world have their beautiful spiritual sites, mm-hmm. which should be respected, just like in Australia, yeah. with Uluru. Mm-hmm. And people not walking on it anymore, and which I think is fabulous. What about the death camps in Germany? That's right. Mm-hmm. It's another
1: one. So, yeah, there Although may... I have to say, I did go there. But once again, you've gone under guidance from the authorities who have set up a respectful experience yes, here,
0: and it's my history. So, yeah, same I, with Romans. I have, yep. um, I believe, I have a right. I shouldn't say a right. No one has a right to anything. But I, I kind of would like to experience Mm. or see that part of history that my family lived through. Yeah. Same with Roman, my husband, his mother
1: had a baby that died at her breast from starvation because she had no milk left to feed it. So, Mm. But for him, he never wants to go there. He never wants to see that place. Mm. He'd rather have the happy memory. So I think we do what our soul needs to do to end up healing Mm. feeling complete and full. Mm. But- that brings us to the end of this episode. So I hope you have enjoyed our story today. If you could please leave us a review on iTunes, preferably five star, and share this around. Let the world know what we're doing and what we're talking about. Uh, talk to your friends about it. And what are we doing next week?
0: I think it's going to be a surprise. Let's, <laughs> let's see what happens this week.
1: I'm trying to turn around and
0: see the list. <laughs> We'll see how prepared we are. Oh, okay. Uh, also, yes, I please, see what it is. Yeah, please leave um, a message for us on how you're enjoying the podcast on our Facebook page. Oh, it gives at, us such a buzz yeah, when people say lovely things. At True Hauntings Podcast. Come on our Facebook page and uh, we do put on bits and pieces uh, prior to each of the episodes and uh, afterwards, some, just some extra information. So join us there. We'd love to see you
2: on our Facebook page. See you all on the dark side. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube.